So we put behind us um, uh, the chapter on khawf, fear, grief. And so now he moves on to raja, which is hope. And it's not too long. And um, there are some things I want to add, inshallah, as well, um, towards the end of our little session. He says, he starts by saying, <clears throat> the opposite of khawf and fear is raja, hope. And he says that this is one of the stages of um, spiritual wayfaring. He says, so the opposite of khawf is raja. I'm saying this because later on he's going to say something else. So uh, we'll talk about it then. Opposite of khawf is raja. And then he begins with a very nice uh, dua of Imam Sajjad. This is dua number 12 of Imam, of Imam Sajjad in Sahifa Sajjadiyah. That uh, this hope, of course, has to do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His mercy and grace upon us. That we must have hope at the end of the day. And there are so, mon- so many similar Mm, uh, statements and excerpts from the different du'as that we have that will really emphasize this point but the one that he brings here in the beginning of this chapter is from du'a number 12 of Sahifa where it says Allahumma innahu yahjubuni an, mas'alit, an mas'alatika khilalun thalath wa tahduni alayha khallatun wahida that oh Allah there are three things that don't allow me to ask you for anything, okay? And to come and, so to speak, knock on your door. Three things that I just, because of that, I can't. But then there's one thing that allows me and pushes me <clears throat> um, to do so, to not give up on you and to knock on your door. What are those three? <clears throat> he says, number one, amrun amarta bihi That there were some commands that you gave me and I was slow and lazy in fulfilling them. In other words, I didn't fulfill them the way they were supposed to be fulfilled. So that, you know, I, I am ashamed to, because of that, to come to you and to speak to you, ask you. Number two, And then there were, um, you forbid me of things. Yes? Uh, and asked me to refrain from things. And what did I do? Asra'atu I hurried towards them. <laughs> I didn't just commit them. I hurried towards them. The first one said, I was slow to fulfill them. I was lazy. I slacked off. Here it says, I was quick to disobey you. And number three, So there are some people who, Alhamdulillah, they are... Uh, very obedient people, alhamdulillah. And so they're not worried about uh, whether there's amr that they have been slow in fulfilling or nahi that they have been, you know, rushed to commit. They're not worried about that. Alhamdulillah, they're set. But this third one still applies to them. What is the third one? That Allah has blessed me with a ni'mah or, or blessings. What did I do? I fell short of being able to um, show the gratefulness and gratitude for that which He has blessed me. So even if you're perfect when it comes to obedience of God, you still might suffer from this one. That you and, and trust me, this is something that applies to everyone. Even the Imams say that we can't um, uh, carry out the shukr of the na'mat of Allah towards us وَإِن تَعُدُّ نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْسُوهَا Even if you try, the Quran says, even if you try to count all the blessings Allah has given you, you won't be able to count them. Okay. So if you can't count them, for sure you won't be able to, uh, you know, carry out the shukr for them, right? <laughs> if you don't even know what they are exactly, how are you going to do shukr for them? So, this third one is, is a tough one really. The first two are also tough, but this one's really tough. So anyway, he says there are three things um, that don't allow me to knock on your door. But then, so what is it that allows you to knock his door? 
What is it that pushes you in that direction? يَحْدُونِ عَلَى مَسْأَلَتِكَ تَفَضُّلُكَ عَلَيَّ Or تَفَضُّلُكَ عَلَى مَنْ أَقْبَلَ بِوَجْهِ إِلَيْكَ You know what pushes me to actually knock on your door? The fact that your grace engulfs the one who comes to you. Finished. And has gives you benefit of the doubt that, Oh Allah, you're still going to be kind to me, although those three I wasn't able to do. I disobeyed you. I didn't fulfill the commands you had for me. I wasn't able to uh, carry out gratefulness. Still, you said, you have said that I will still have mercy on the one who comes to me, aqbala biwajhihi, turns towards me with their face, meaning they come towards me and give me benefit of the doubt. Us giving Allah benefit of the doubt, who are we to give Allah benefit of the, of the doubt to begin with, you know? But that's what the dua is saying. So let's go back to that third one where it said, I wasn't able to carry out the gratefulness and gratitude towards the ni'mah that you gave me. Question, the ni'mah that he has given me so far, was it something that I deserved? No. From the beginning, every blessing that was given to me was something that I didn't deserve and it was just out of his grace. Correct? If that's the case, that everything is just out of His grace and it is not deserved by me, then why should I wait for me to deserve the right to knock on His door now? This is wrong actually. This actually is bringing Him down and questioning every other ni'mah He's given me before. Kind of trying to, it's kind of like I'm telling Him, Oh Allah, all the previous blessings You gave me, I deserved them. But from this point on, I don't deserve to knock on your door. No, whoever said that you deserved it from the beginning to begin with. So put this whole thing aside of let me figure out a way that I deserve to have this opportunity to have such a right. No. So this goes back to hope. That's what he's saying. This is hope in Allah's mercy and grace, not hope in myself. Hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's just one example he gives here. Then he starts explaining. He says with this explanation... And after we've given this little explanation, the one, the spiritual wayfarer has no choice but to traverse the path with khawf, fear, raja, hope, and huzn, grief. These two or three that we've covered so far. And they will continue this path with that fuel of raja. And no matter what their state is, no matter what their situation is, no matter how much sin there is, all of that, it's interesting, the Farsi says, Kishan, Kishan. This person will, one way or another, drag themselves to the door of God, right? So we, ha- we have to understand that when it comes to this, we, don't, we, we have to put perfectionism aside. Let me wait for the time where I am deserving to knock on his door. Let me wait where everything's perfect, then I go to his door. Like, no, drag yourself, no matter what it takes, right? Just get yourself to his door, one way or another. Because there's hope. Because why? Because he says nobody has ever made it to his door out of deserving to make it to his door. He just straight up from the beginning lets us know, don't wait for that moment, that moment ain't coming. Uh, The only thing that can push us really is hope in his mercy and grace. All right. Because in the end, Allah's grace is greater than our sin and crime. We have to understand that as well. All right. He says in the beginning, the hope of the Salik is going to be weak. Towards the middle, it's going to be <clears throat> average. And then towards the end, it's going to be so strong that it reach, it passes raja and hope <clears throat> and becomes tranquility and tuma'nina or itma'inan. If a person has prepared the grounds for that special mercy of Allah, then so be it. If not, this person, they only have tamanni, they don't have raja. So here is now speaking of the difference between tamanni and raja. He says, we talked about raja, but let's not fool ourselves here. Sometimes you have raja, you have hope, excuse me. Why? Because you've done the work, now you're waiting for the fruits to be yielded. Sometimes you have not done the work. This is not going to be called raja anymore. 
that you have not done the work, you haven't tried at least, you haven't at least quote unquote dragged yourself to his door and you're like, inshallah, his special mercy will come upon, will rain upon me. No, no, no. He's, he gives an example here. He says that, um, he calls that tamanni and he's going to cite a verse for that as well. He says, you know what it's like? It's like that gardener who um, doesn't till the ground, doesn't sprinkle any seeds into the ground and just sits there and is thinking and waiting and has hope. Yes, that uh, something will sprout from the ground. No, that's not hope. We don't call that hope. We call that tamanni or I'm going to say wishful thinking. It's one thing to wish something. It's another thing to have hope in something. When you have hope in something, you probably feel that there's a reasonable chance and possibility that that what you want to achieve is actually attainable. Versus when you know it's not going to happen, there's just wishful thinking. This person, this gardener who hasn't done anything, hasn't planted anything, yeah, you can't. They can't say that this person is a hopeful person. Yeah, they're actually pretty dumb. They're not hopeful. But you want to use a good word for it, you say wishful thinking. They're being, it's, 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 they're being very wish, wishful. Another example I want to give, because this is something I grew up with, is fishing. Sometimes you know there's fish in that body of water and you're casting your bait. You're hoping that you're going to catch something. Sometimes you know there's no fish there. You're just playing around from at that point when you're casting you know, your, your rod or your line into that part of the... I mean, it's just you have to be able to tell. There, back then there was these little radars actually. These fishermen, they would have on their boats where it could tell you where there were fish, you know, uh, you know, under the boat or not. And so if you know there's no fish, there's no point in throwing the bait. If you throw the bait, no one's going to say, oh, this is, this is a very hopeful person. No, it's other words are used for these people. And so Ayatollah Jawadi, he uh, cites a verse I think is very appropriate here. He cites verse number 123 of Surah An-Nisa. لَيْسَ بِأَمَانِيِّكُمْ وَلَا أَمَانِيِّ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ Those of you who want to make it, I forget the context exactly, but it's talking about, you know, making it and God's satisfaction and, and Jannah and things like that. لَيْسَ بِأَمَانِيِّكُمْ Amani, Yeah, it comes from the same root that Tamanni comes from. This is not something you can wish for and because I wished for it, it will happen. وَلَا أَمَانِيِّ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ And the, Ahl, the same thing holds for the Ahl al-Kitab as well. Don't think just because you're wishing guidance or wishing, uh, you know, deliverance and salvation and saada that it's going to happen. You have to actually, according to Ayatollah Jawadi here, it works with iman and amal salih. Okay, so hope is good. Hope is one of the stages of akhlaq when you have prepared the grounds for it. If you haven't prepared the grounds for it, okay. So so far we had khauf, excuse me, raja, opposite of khauf. Now then we had Raja opposite of Tamanni. Okay. And then here he's going to bring another opposite as well. Another antonym if you want to call it for Raja. He says opposite to Raja is Yas, which means hopelessness. So in reality, I would say yes, that is the actual opposite of hope. Hopefulness, hopelessness. So the other two, Khawf, and tamanni, those were not the opposite of it. Those were something else that you either have or don't have um, next to this raja. But here, you can't have both raja and yas in the same thing. You cannot have raja and yas in the same thing. You can have raja and khawf of the same thing. Of Allah, for example. Fear of Allah and also hope in Allah. Let me see. Can you have raja and tamanni? Maybe not. So tamani is a, is, a, is a lack of something here. Yes is also lack of something. Yes is lack of hope. So hopelessness. He says here, he makes an important point here. He says, look, well, first of all, before I actually say this, um, we do have in our, even our maraja in their books, right there in the beginning, they will write that one of the greatest sins is to not have hope and lose hope in Allah's mercy no matter how great the sin is it's one of the gunahani kabire um, and so one of the great sins right after shirk actually <laughs> but why is it way up there? well he makes a nice point here he says 
Look, people are either kafir or Muslim, okay? Kafir in the sense of during the time of the Prophet, they knew the truth, they turned away from the truth. They don't believe in a Yawmul Qiyamah, they don't believe in a Jannah or Jahannam or anything like that, okay? That's kafir. And then you have the mu'min. What does the mu'min believe in? The mu'min means the believer, right? Believe in what? God, day of judgment, resurrection, Jannah, Jahannam, and all these things, correct? Okay. So he says it makes sense for a kafir to not have hope because he doesn't even because there's no there's no capacity for that anyway to begin with. You want to have hope in something that you know is coming. They don't even believe in it, so don't worry about it at all. There's, forget about hope, you know, not applicable. But he says that for a mu'min, uh, yes, is borderline kufr. Why? Because you're believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you're believing in Jannah, Jahannam and all of these things, yet you still think that he cannot do a certain thing. So this yes, hopelessness is borderline kufr. He says, so, let me just read off of this real quick. He says, so a mu'min who has lost hope in the rahmah and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what that actually translates to and amounts to is that this person has <clears throat> doubt in Allah's power or infiniteness of his power and mercy or believes that his mercy is limited or power is, is limited and so on and so forth. This equals like almost kufr. That is that close to being, because what kind of God is this? God, the definition of God is infinite power, infinite mercy. You, it's like saying, um, uh, it's like saying this is an odd, this is an even number, but it's not divisible by two. Excuse me? Even numbers, their definition or their inseparable quality is that they're divisible by two. You can't say this is an even number, but it's not divisible by two. You cannot say God and then say, oh, but, uh, you know, there's in, there's finite power or there's limited power and so on. So this is not God then. And so if, not, if it's not God, that's borderline kufr, actually. You don't believe in a real God, actually. And that's one of the main criticisms we'll have to people who believe in multiple gods. Is that, okay, is their power unlimited or is it limited? This is the God of the sky. This is the God of earth. This is the God of this. This is the God of that. So their power is limited. Then what? you can't use the word God on that. Okay. Uh, so then he concludes that so therefore a person cannot have faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but then have yes and hopelessness and say that God can no longer forgive me or God's mercy has ended for me and so on. We have we have stories for that too during the Prophet's time, sallallahu people would sometimes come to him and say, Oh, God will never forgive me. I've done something that I know. He can't forgive me. And the Prophet would remind them of the fact that, no, that's not the case. Okay, so the Raja ends here. Um, he didn't open it up anymore. Once again, I was a little surprised. Um, but yes, the Arafa are usually talking about how Khawf and Raja are always going to come hand in hand. You can't have one over the other. Where does that come from? That comes from hadiths that we have. Okay, and so what I want to do is I want to, you know, for the rest of the time that we have, I want to go over these hadiths. <coughs> these are in Usul al-Kafi. It's about, about 15, 20 hadiths. We're not going to read all of them, of course. But in the chapter and bab of Khawf and Raja, number one. And number two, there's another bab or chapter called Bab Husn al-Dhan Billah Azza wa Jal. Giving benefit of the doubt to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I want to go through these hadiths very quickly. Um, now that we're done with khawf, raja, huzn, all of these, I think it's good to wrap it up with this and kind of complete the discussion. Okay. Chapter 33 of Usul al-Kafi, volume 2. It says, um, yeah, the chapter of khawf and raja. Someone asked, a person by the name of Harith bin Mughira, it says him or his father it was asked Imam al-Sadiq alayhi salam he said I told him ma kana fi wasiyat luqman what was in the will of Luqman this wise man and so the Imam he says kana fiha al-ahajib there's some interesting things in his will to his son you know Luqman is talking about um, 
this great individual by the name of Luqman. And so we, we read about him there. And here also in these hadith, in this hadith at least, it's talking about him. So <clears throat> he says, what was in his will? Because in Surah Luqman, Luqman, what is it? It's quoting Luqman speaking to his son. Ya bunaya this, ya bunaya that. Oh my son this, oh my son that. And so this person here is saying, okay, I want to know what was in his will to his son. Give me some details. The Imam says there's some interesting things, but the most interesting of them all was that he told his son, Khafillah Azza wa Jal, fear Allah. What kind of fear? Khifatan law jitahu la'adhabak. A fear that even if you were to come to Allah with the good deeds of the thaqalain, of the man of man and jinn, okay, you have all the good deeds of man and jinn, you still you he would still punish you. <laughs> Fear Allah like this that even if you were to come with all of the righteous deeds, he would still punish you. We know that's not gonna happen. But you get you get the point here. That this is important then. I think you can guess what that means. And also, have hope in Allah to the extent that if you came to Him with the, the sins of all of man and jinn, He would still have mercy upon you. You see, if you take one of these two, you're in big trouble. You have to take both of them at the same time. Okay? You have to have them both at the same time. This is super important. Think about it. If a person only has one of these, what's going to happen? You just think about it. They've done all the righteous deeds they could in life. They still feel that God is going to punish them. That's it. They're 100% sure He's going to punish them. That's not, that's not going to help them get anywhere. They're going to probably turn kafir eventually. Or a person is just so in another world, in fantasy world, they're, they're like... You know, I've done all the bad sins that I could, but I know that a God is going to have mercy on me. That's it. It's all just hope and mercy. That's also going to get this person in big trouble. It has to be both. And so Imam al-Sadiq says this, and then he moves on. He says, my father used to say that there is no uh, believing abd except that there are two nurs and lights in their heart. One is the nur of fear, Nuru khifah wa nuru raja. The nur of fear and the nur of raja and hope. Remember last time, last session I talked about this a little bit towards the end. I said that this fear, some people downplay it, some people undermine it. Um, no, fear is a good thing. We just have to use it properly, not misuse it uh, and abuse it. We unfortunately overdo things with the fear factor. But in the end, the fear thing is nur here, it's saying. Nur equals stages of, of light, stages of akhlaq, and stages of spiritual wayfaring. لا وزن هذا لم يزد على هذا ولا وزن هذا لم يزد على هذا If this one is weighed against that one, it won't be heavier. And if that one's weighed over against this one, that one will not be heavier. They're both equal, he's saying. So not one over the other. And sometimes you have both, but one is more than the other. According to this, it shouldn't be like that. No, <clears throat> they should be equal. Some of these things the imams have said are very nice. This one or the one that is in uh, the subject of free will, where the imams say, Amrun bain al-amrin, something between the two. They, they very nicely word things sometimes and explain them. All right, let's go to the next hadith. I have to go faster than this if I want to finish in time. <sighs> Imam al-Sadiq says to Ishaq bin Ammar, one of his good companions, Ya Ishaq, khafillah ka'annaka tarah, have fear of Allah as if you see him. Because if you don't see him, for verily he sees you. And if you believe that he cannot see you, then of course you're kafir. So the, the Imam is reminding him, like this is something you believe in, I'm just telling you to just keep this in mind all the time that he's watching. <clears throat> and if you know that he's watching, so if you don't think he's watching you, then you're kafir. And if you know he's watching, and you still go and do sin, what you've done is that you have taken him as a very insignificant overseer of things. Because you sit, you, you're like, I know he's watching, let me just go do this anyway. 
then you've really taken him down. This is more of a fear hadith, okay? Is telling, is reminding him that, hey, have some fear. If you're going to sin, at least have this mentality when you're doing the sin. He's watching, uh-oh, you know, that kind of thing. Let that guilt be there. There's nothing wrong with it. <clears throat> Another companion says, Sami'tu Aba Abdullah, I heard Imam al-Sadiq say, Man khaf Allah, akhaf Allahu minhu kulla shay. A person who fears Allah, Allah will make everyone else fear them. Not fear like scared and like shaking when they see that person, but you know, um, they'll look at them um, with hayba. What's the word for that in English? Anyone know? <clears throat> when someone is uh, intimidating, when someone is, huh? Not scary, but um, rob means fear. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say fear. It's just that People like hold this person's respect. This person is very high, all right, to the point where, have you know, like, for example, Ayatollah Bahjad, you would see him in the street. Is he scary? He's not scary. But when you would see him, you would like, you would feel like, you know, I can't really do whatever I want in front of this guy, you know? So, what does he do? Is he scary? When he's walking, if he was a normal person in the street, you wouldn't, you could care less. But because this person is a man of God, all of a sudden they carry some weight with them. You know what I'm saying? So not that they're scary, but rather they have that uh, they have that heiba. We say, okay, <laughs> huh? might kind of like kind of. That's a very. It's, it's I can't think of any better word. But, huh? The awe, maybe the aura that they carry with them, things like that. Okay. Vaji, they're vaji. They have wajahat, mashallah. Brother Wajahat says they have wajahat. <clears throat> yeah, so it says Allah will make sure to put in the hearts of others this kind of fear regarding that person because this person has the fear of Allah and the person who does not fear Allah, Allah will make them fear everyone else. Okay, so once again, this one had to do with fear. Next hadith. Man araf Allah khaf Allah. Whoever has... Ma'rifah of Allah. Now, of course, the more ma'rifah, the more fear. So whoever has ma'rifah of Allah will have fear of Allah. وَمَنْ خَافَ اللَّهِ سَخَتْ نَفْسُهُ عَنِ الدُّنْيَا And the person who fears Allah, this person isn't too interested in the dunya anymore. Next hadith. It says that someone said to Imam there's there's some people, they, um, they sin. And then they say, we have hope in Allah's mercy. And they're like that until death comes. The Imam said, no, no, no. These are people, they're living in their wishes, amani. They're living in amani. So the person used the word narju, raja. They say, we have hope. He said, no, no. These people are living in their little wishes. Kadabu, they're lying. Laysu birajin. They don't have hope. Innaman, this is the key right here. Innaman raja shay'an talabahu. A person who has hope in something, pursues it, seeks it, tries to attain it, does something for it. Doesn't just sit there like that gardener, that the example that, that we gave before. Doesn't just sit there and, is, you know, this reminds me of those other hadiths that the imams say that those who say they love us, but they don't do what they're supposed to, they're not, they don't really love us. Like the, the imams keep it real, I'm sorry. All right, so... A person who fears something runs away from it. Yeah. So these people, they are, they are sinning, disobeying God. They say, we, we have hope in Allah, we fear Allah. If you fear Allah, you run away from that thing that is going to get you in trouble. Hadith number, let me skip all the way to number 10. If you remember, we had this uh, verse in the, of the Qur'an, I think in our last session, uh, when we were talking about good fear and bad fear. And then we said uh, an example of good fear is what the Qur'an says, The one who has fear of the position and station of his Lord. Yes, this person uh, has, has two gardens in paradise, two special gardens, not one. So here in this hadith, Someone asked the Imam, وَلِمَنْ خَافَ مَقَامِ رَبِّهِ جَنَّةً What does that mean? What does khawf here mean? مَنْ عَلِمَ أَنَّ اللَّهِ يَرَاهُ وَيَسْمَعْ مَا يَقُولُ 
The one who knows that Allah sees and hears what they say and knows what they do of good and bad, and so that gets in the way of them doing bad deeds, this is the person that the verse is talking about when it says, Very simple, straightforward. Nothing too crazy. Another hadith here. Imam Sadiq alayhi salam, لا يكون المؤمن مؤمنا حتى يكون خائفا راجيا. A mu'min is not a believer and a mu'min until they are khaif and raji. Khaif, fearful. Raji, hopeful. So both again are coming together. وَلَا يَكُونْ خَائِفًا رَاجِيًا حَتَّى يَكُونْ عَامِلًا Don't you just hate this man? Everywhere you go, the Imams are talking about amal, amal, amal. <laughs> From day one that we started this whole uh, book till today, what's the one recurring theme? The one recurring theme is amal, amal, amal. Here it says, no mu'min is a mu'min until they are khaif and raji. And you're not going to be khaif and raji until you are amil. That means you do amal. You don't just sit there, say Allah's going to take care of it, the imams, Ahlul Bayt, Shafa'a are going to take care of me. No, no, no. You got to do the work. Put the work in. Because if you don't put the work in, Imam Sadiq told us, in the barzakh, they will put it in. The injection. <laughs> okay. Hatta yakun aminan lima yakhafu wa yarju until this person is amil in relation to that which they have fear towards and hope towards. Last hadith in this chapter. Al mu'min bayna makhafatain. The mu'min is between two fears. Then bin qadmada la yadri ma sana Allahu a sin that has passed that they don't know, okay, what is Allah going to do about that? Of course, tawbah is there, you know, so that is something that gives hope. But what's going to happen? You know, I have done bad things in the past. And I have a life ahead of me. And I don't know. Those things that are going to destroy me. Am I going to ever acquire those? Am I ever going to commit those or not? That's what he's scared of. So this person doesn't wake up except fearful. And that which is going to fix this person is a fear. You see, remember I said this last time too. I said fear at the end of the day is that last resort that is going to get everyone off their backs. Okay? Of course, we're talking about that lowest level of fear. Or else there was a higher level of fear. We talked about that. And that's the fear and grief of being separated from the beloved and all that. But yeah, for me, it's that first one. All right. Baba Husn al-Dhan. I have a few hadiths here that I want to share with you as well. It says, and this is the you know, Husn al-Dhan, the, the, the chapter on benefit of doubt, giving God benefit of the doubt. Now, this is important because it goes back to that dua number 12 of Sahifa Sajjadiyah as well, where the Imam was saying, what is pushing me towards you, O Allah, is my hope in you and the fact that you are always giving me blessings when I don't deserve them. Here, it says that uh, Imam al-Baqir said that Rasulullah said that Allah says, those who now do the good deeds and all of that, they should not rely on their good deeds that they're doing for my reward. Why? Because no matter how much they try and tire themselves in my worship, they will still fall short of that the true essence of my worship and ibadah. And then he goes on, and the blessings that I give them in paradise, and and the great ranks that I give them next to me, and my uh, and, and and so on and so forth. Don't rely on your action. You know, amal is the only way, right? You see how they're messing with us. They say, you know, the amal is the way, but don't think that amal is the is what you rely on. You do the amal, right? Do your part, but where should you put your hope in? They should have thiqah and reliance in what? In my rahmah and mercy. Right? We have, I think this is uh, from Imam al-Rada alayhi salam that whenever there's a blessing that you have, say, Allahumma tammim wa sallim. Allah, complete this for me. 
and keep it safe and sound for me. Or like in that uh, dua after salat that they recite, Allahumma in kana fihi khalalun aw naqsun min ruku'iha aw sujudiha. Oh Allah, this is the sahadihi salati salaituha. This is the salat that I've prayed, but you know, it was full of holes, unfortunately. You know, it's <laughs> full of holes. And oh Allah, you have to accept this from me. You have to complete this. In the end, we're doing the amal, but anyone can do amal, right? Whoever has that resolve, makes the decision to do amal, can do amal. But what's important is, does this amal really hit the bullseye? Well, the Imams have taught us that no, it will always fall short. Famous hadith in Usul al-Kafi um, that uh, it says that the Imam said, لا تخرجنا نفسك من التقصير في عبادة الله Something like that. Don't you ever feel like you're doing a good job when it comes to ibadah of Allah. You see, they're always keeping us, us hanging by a thread. They're always keeping us on our tippy toes. So we can never feel like I can rely on something other than Allah. The only time you can be relaxed, you can rest assured, is if you're relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So to the point where you can't even rely on your good amal even. This is the imams. This is the imams that we're always loving and we're talking about. This is what they want for us. They want us to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They've reached them. They say, look, it's so good. You want to follow our footsteps. That's the destination. So, بِرَحْمَتِي فَلْيَثِقُوا وَفَضْلِي فَلْيَرْجُوا My fadl, my going the extra mile for them, my grace is what they should have raja of and hope for. وَإِلَىٰ حُسْنِ الظَّنِّ فَلْيَطْمَئِنُّوا And they should... <clears throat> they should have only tranquility when it comes to yeah when it comes to benefit, giving me benefit of the doubt so they should have tranquility out of giving me benefit of the doubt <clears throat> if that's the case and that's what they do rahmati inda dhalika tudrikuhum that's when my mercy will reach them you see once again I, I've said this before probably there are some people, of course, amal, amal, amal. I mean, we're saying this. Salat al-Layl, Salat al-Layl, after wajib and ustahab, after wajib and haram, taking care of that. Salat al-Layl, Salat al-Layl. But there are some people you will feel that they, they're they worshipping the worship itself. That's And I've said this before. We have to be very careful about that. The amal is good and all, but you cannot idolize the amal even. You cannot idolize the amal. Yeah. This person, as if... One day if they miss a certain amal, then they're doomed. There's no way Allah can even help them reach the destination. Excuse me, the destination is Allah Himself. I'm not saying slack off or be lazy. No, I will do my part every day to try to do what I need to do. Right? But like, I'll give you an example. Hello, like you're in the bus going from Mashhad. Okay? Right? You're, you're from Qom. You get on the bus to go to Mashhad. Those were the days. Right? Or the train. And so the bus will make a stop a pit stop, a very quick stop on the way for Salat. Then all of a sudden, 39 people are on board and they've gone back on the bus. They've prayed very quickly at the rest area. And then there's one person, MashaAllah, Ayatollah Bahja 2.0. <laughs> you know? And so, what's wrong? Why isn't the bus going? We're all going to be late. Oh no, there's this one person apparently right now, for some reason, they've connected. <laughs> and so, um, we're waiting for that person. And when you dig deep, <clears throat> um, you'll find that uh, it's because this namaz al for them is just so important that even if they're trampling other people's haq, then it doesn't matter because salat. Because if I miss this waqt uh, al for salat, there's no way I'm going to ever make it to, to you know the destination. That that that's a sign that this person has to mature. And why am I saying that it's a sign they have to mature because it applies to me as well. If you're not careful, um, yeah, you will idolize the means and not the ends, which is Allah, the destination, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these hadiths are just reminding us again and again that this is the case. Be careful about that. For verily, For verily, I am Allah, the Rahman, the Rahim. That is the name I put on myself. I didn't name myself anything else. So relax people. Relax not in the sense of get lazy. 
relaxed in the sense of if just so happens that you miss something, don't think that the destination is unreachable now. No, sometimes Allah does that on purpose to, to just show us that He's in charge. <sighs> Next hadith here says that no one has reached, no believer has reached the khair of dunya and akhirah except by having benef- giving Allah benefit of the doubt and having hope in Him. Okay. That the, the Prophet was on the member and he said this uh, next to a lot of other things that aren't relevant right now to our topic. But this one is like, yeah, that's the first one. That's the first one. Now, Husn al-Dan, giving Allah benefit of the doubt, means not necessarily, oh, is he going to forgive my sins? No. Someone might not have any sins. Am I going to make it to those higher levels? Even there give Husn al-Dan. Why? You'll see in the fourth hadith, the last hadith that we have, or the third one. Yeah, the third one, this next one. This next one is very important. You will find ulama always talking about this one. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is by Abu al-Hasan al-Rida alayhi salam. He said, give Allah benefit of the doubt. Ahsan al-dhanna billah. Why? Because Allah himself says, ana inda dhanna abdi al-mu'min bi. I am going to be the way the mu'min perceives me to be. If I'm the one who always punishes, I'm going to always punish. Whoa! And I have a little thesis on this of why this is the case, by the way. If, you've, if your God, unfortunately, is a certain you know, concept of God, okay, with flaws like this one, what's going to happen is Allah will be like that for you. Why? Because if He's not like that for you, you might stop believing in Him because you're like, where's that God? For example, if a person really believes that they have to, Allah has to punish them no matter what in this life for every bad deed they're done, they've done, and like there's no such thing as tawbah as if, if Allah loves them, probably, this is my guess, okay, Allah will punish them in this life. Because if He doesn't, this person's going to say, where is Allah in my life? Right? What, well, what's your definition of Allah? The one that punishes me, where is He? <laughs> and so Allah's like, okay, this person's going to stop believing in me. So let me, in the, for me to get in the way of that, at least let me do what this person thinks. On the flip side, <clears throat> a person who has a lot of hope in Allah, Allah will show them that as well. Of course, once again, that balance is like, not like, oh, I'm going to do whatever I like, Allah's going to forgive me, but ahsan have a good idea of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't make it bad. In khayran fa khayran, wa in sharran fa sharra. If it's shar of me, then I will be shar for them. If they're khair, if it's khair that they have of me, then I will be khair towards them. I'll be good towards them. Okay, and finally this last hadith, husnul dhan billah, giving Allah that husnul dhan is Allah tarjuwa illallah, so that you don't have hope in anyone other than Allah, wala takhaf illa dhanbak, and you don't fear anything or anyone except your own sin. Right? Uh, a person who grows a little bit in their understanding of God will reach a point where they say, wait, God isn't that scary actually. It is my own doings that are scary because those are what's going to actually get me in trouble. So that is the whole um, discussion that he has on khawf, raja, and huzn. Others have said a lot of other things as well, but I think usually when it comes to this topic, um, what the ulama say are based on these hadiths because we have so many of them. And they actually give you a good idea of what this khawf and raja is supposed to look like and what the balance is supposed to be like. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Any questions? About what in the beginning? Hope. Hope. Oh, okay. I don't remember. For does anyone else remember? He was talking about how um, basically, like, because you're Muslim, obviously you have the belief in Allah. Ah, okay, so gotcha. Show that belief, mm. And then, because you believe in those things, you can't like. Be right. Both. I remember now. So, what's your question? Just explain it more. Yeah, he says, look, people are either kafir or they're mu'min, right? We don't need to talk about having hope when it comes to the kafir. Because what do you have hope in? You have hope in something that is going to happen in the future, which is Jannah, Jahannam, Qiyamah, these things. We can't talk about hope in these things when these things don't even exist for you in your mind. So put the kafir aside. Then he talks about how detrimental lack of hope can be for a mu'min. Why? Because it's borderline kufr. Why? 
He says, because if you believe in a God, you're mu'min, right? You believe in a God. What is the definition of God? God is infinite mercy, infinite power. No flaws there, no deficiency there. So if you're a believer, but you don't have hope in God and God's mercy, the reason why you don't have hope in God's mercy is probably because you don't have the right understanding of His infinite mercy, or else you'd have hope. And so this is borderline kufr. Why? Because God equals infinite mercy. You cannot call something God if it doesn't have infinite mercy and power. Oh no, God can't forgive me. Why? Because He doesn't have the mercy for it or He doesn't have the power for it. Are you saying your sin is greater than His power? So Ayatollah Jawadi, the point he was trying to make was that <clears throat> this is how horrible ho uh, hopelessness can be. And that's why, I, as in my opinion, it's second on the list after shirk. When you lose hope in Allah, right? It's as if you're saying Allah doesn't exist. Practically, with your hopelessness, you're saying Allah doesn't exist because you're indirectly saying He is limited in either His power or His mercy. And that is not the definition of God. Make sense? Yes. Ya Hamza Sin. Ma'yus. Yes. Do you have that word in Urdu? Yeah. Jawad. When going back to Hazrat Uthman, when he was asked by Allah to choose prophecy over wisdom, do you know what specifically made him choose wisdom? Over being prophet? Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to ask him on the Day of Judgment. But he. He chose the, the Quran does say, whoever is given wisdom, فَقَدْ أُوتِيَ خَيْرًا كَثِيرًا They've been given a lot of khair. A person who can have hikmah. Yeah, hikmah is not intelligence necessarily. It's not data and information and knowledge. Hikmah is more than that. Yeah. Excuse me, you were mentioning about going back to God. A lot of times when we have problems in our life, we go back to God more often than when we think of like, his failings. Is that a considered a sign of like sublime arrogance? Yeah, so uh, the question is that uh, sometimes we find ourselves only going to Allah's door when we need Him. Is that a spiritual arrogance, a sublime uh, uh, arrogance? I don't know what we're going to call it. It just shows that we're still, we still have a lot of work to do, you know? Uh, not necessarily arrogance, but you know, just uh, selfish, being selfish, selfishness. That's what it is. That I see God as a means to reaching what I need. And so if that's the case, that's the only time I'm going to hit him up. I'll be like, oh Allah, I need your help on this one. Why? Because, you know, some people say, darn, I have to rely on God on this one. You know, I have no other choice but to rely on God on this one. <laughs> and so some of our friends, sometimes we joke about that too. Like, oh gosh, we have to rely on God on this one. There's no other way than I go to him. All right, that's good. At least you're going to him. And, you know, the verses we covered, I think, last session also talked about the same thing. Was it last session? No, oh, no, that was something else, another class. <laughs> Where um, that Allah will send hardship towards a, a, a people. Why? So that they do tadarru', which means turn to him, cry to him, submit to him, cling to him. Sometimes that is the only way Allah is going to get our attention, to give us hardship. So yeah, it's still good because you're still going to him and that's what God wanted. To you, for you to go to him, but are you gonna get? Are you gonna maximize on that or not? That's a different story. Um, okay, I'm going to Allah when I need Him, so let me stick to Him even when I don't need Him. Or no, I'm gonna go back. I think it's just us being children, you know. Spiritually, we're just kids. We're children. We're kindergartners, and we think, oh, I'll go to Him when I need Him. Excuse me, when you don't need Him, actually, you still need Him. You just don't understand. Yeah, I mean, once again, he understands that. So God, I mean, it is a very low a way of going to him, but still we're going to him. We're not going anywhere else. And he says in the Quran, I do that on purpose. And I want them to turn to me. And when they still don't turn to me, the Quran says, why didn't they? What was wrong with them? We shook them, so they turned to us, yet they still didn't turn to us. You know what the problem is? Their hearts are stone. When the hearts are stone, they're impenetrable. So even that last resort for Allah, which is to send some bala, isn't going to work. Yeah. It just shows how low we are, you know. All right. Yes. 
we've talked before about the, the same characteristics of Sunblot, but uh, when it comes to the things that, that it does, like the vision and the skill. And you talked in the past about how even like in for example punishing you are compatible with it, right? But I guess this is more of like a statistic question. Like in this photo when you ask for things for something to happen for us, whether it's work or yeah. this, like you also talked about how our skin can sometimes prevent that like too often that you can get or you might have to punish you first before he brushes you. Is it ever that one of his characteristics can dominate or I guess overpower the other? So let, let's say you're asking for something and you think that you're struggling to stop this thing or you've asked for forgiveness. You know, he turns to the angels and says, you know what, even though this person is, you know, that he's trying or he's asking for, you know, this needs blessing, because he's even trying to he's asked forgiveness, I'm gonna like ignore all that and just give him like anything any what anything he wants. Like does one characteristic of God overpower his other characteristics? What do you think that's going to be? Warahmati, like the Quran says once again, Warahmati wasaat kulla shay. My mercy encompasses all things. Kataba rabbukum ala nafsihar rahmah. More than once the Quran says that Allah has made incumbent upon himself mercy. You never find him saying, that he's made an incumbent of himself, ghadab or wrath, or that my wrath encompasses all things. Rahmati wasat kulla shay. So this is what I can tell you. It's like a cup that's <clears throat> as empty, right? Um, and there's a faucet that's just flowing, all right? As long as there is room in a cup and you bring that cup under that faucet, it's going to fill it up. In other words, Allah, wherever there's room for His Rahmat to just overtake, it will overtake. If it doesn't, it just shows that there isn't capacity for it. Okay? That's what it is. Um, for sure, like even philosophically speaking, if, the, if, if, you're the, if you're God, you're going to be fayyald all the time, filling up all the holes. Anything that has capacity, you will fill it. So that's Rahmat for you. Extra Rahmat. So I would say that, yes, that quality of Allah overtakes everything else. But sometimes his rahmah also dictates that he doesn't um, bless. And in the long run, that is also a blessing. The fact that he didn't bless you the way you wanted, and you already know all this stuff, you know? Okay. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah salawat. Wow.